the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for listening in. God loves us. He takes care of us, sustains us, and strengthens us through all of life's circumstances. And what must we do? Worship Him. Trust Him. Obey Him. Serve Him. We receive the benefits of God's grace and mercy even when we fall. Therefore, we must not forget to whom we belong and to whom we owe all honor, glory, and praise. As Pastor Rander challenges us to remember the Lord our God, have your Bible pen and paper handy as you will want to take notes. And Lord, help me to preach your truth now in the power of the Spirit. Let those who have ears to hear hear what the Spirit of God has to say by uh, Spirit Center virtually in person. And I pray, Father, that we not be distracted or allow our minds to even wonder the least little bit. Help us to receive so that we would be spiritually prepared to live in a world and glorify you in the midst of all that is happening. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said. Well, we're coming fast to the close of 1 John. You have your Bibles. Be so kind enough to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. We want you to stay attuned, and we want you to document, and we're going to be transitioning and, and moving through this message to the glory of our Lord. First John five fourteen through 17 says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I am not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin. Look, all wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. What a passage. And from this particular passage, we want to preach this morning confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer. Beloved, the most important thing we can do is pray. And yet so little prayer is done in the lives of believers as well as in the Lord's church. Now, in many of our churches, to include ours as well, you, you have musicals, banquets, programs, recreation, praise dance. Some churches have life groups, cell groups, weddings, funerals, dramas, dedication of babies, spiritual retreats and luncheons, all of which may benefit the body of Christ in one way or another. However, nothing should take precedence over the word of God and prayer. Absolutely nothing should take precedence 
over the word of God and prayer. Prayer is really the spiritual barometer of the believer's life. Prayer is really the believer's spiritual barometer. What breathing is to our physical body, prayer is to our spiritual life. Again, I say, what breathing is to our physical body, prayer is to our spiritual life. And the reason so many Christians and churches alike are so weak, so many churches are insecure, misdirected, so many churches are stagnant and anemic, unstable and lacking confidence in Christ in a confused, corrupt, depraved world, inevitably goes back to a lack of prayer in the Lord's church and the lives of individual believers. It is God's desire that we would be confident in our prayer life in order for us to be spiritually strong in the Lord and live and serve at the maximum of our potential to the glory of God. It is only befitting that John would close his epistle with one of the most essential elements for Christian living, which is prayer, especially for fellow believers who are sinning against our Lord. Well, with that being said, what kind of prayers please God? What kind of prayers please God? Number one, praying according to his will pleases God. First John chapter five, verse 14 says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Underline that. Please. You say, oh, I can ask for whatever I want and God's going to give it to me. Oh, no, no. We must ask for those things which pleases our heavenly father. Believers who are in right relationship with Christ will not ask for anything that is contrary to God's will, but rather will ask for those things which please him. After all, we're here in this world as believers to please worship and glorify our Lord. Number two, what kind of prayers please God? Praying with expectant faith pleases God. Praying with expectant faith uh, uh, pleases God. Uh, Matthew 21, 22 says, and whatever you ask, in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If conditional, you have faith. The stronger our faith is in Christ, the stronger our confidence in prayer will be. Also, if the truth be told, we do not ask God for greater things because it goes back to our lack of faith. Some, some of you could be asking God for bigger things, but you don't because you don't have the faith to even ask. You don't even believe God to provide it. It is absolutely amazing how we can put our faith in man-made things and do not even think twice about it, such as trusting the car brakes to stop us. And some of y'all really put faith in your brakes. You get right. Ooh, sure. <laughs> I mean, you more faith in your brakes than God. Uh, some of you confidently, confidently ride across a huge bridge that swirls and curves and it goes up, up, make your stomach quirm. And uh, you don't even think about the possibility of that bridge just crumbling because of lack of inspections. 
you, you, you step on an elevator and go to the 21st floor while you chat with people around you about the cowboys or whomever, assuming that that elevator is going to land you at the right floor at the right time. And many of us get on an airplane and, uh, and we, we decide to go a, a certain destination and we do not even check the credentials of the pilot. The, the pilot could be a high school graduate <laughs> with no flying experiences and you sitting there drinking coffee or some other kind of juice that you shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> Beloved, if we can possess this kind of faith in man-made things, how much more should we have in our creator God who made heaven and earth? Are you praying with expectant faith? One of the greatest prayers believers can pray is, Lord, increase my faith. When is the last time you prayed that? That's one of the greatest prayers you can pray. Things happen when God uh, increases your faith. This will result in our experiencing physical and spiritual blessings and God doing extraordinary things with us and through us. Number three, prayers that come from a holy life pleases God. Prayers that come from a holy life pleases God. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. A sinful lifestyle runs interference in our prayer life because God is only honored by those who live holy before him. If you have sin in your life, sins of the tongue, your mind is all over the place, you think evil, you're gossiping, you're throwing rocks and hiding your hand, and then you're going to say, Lord, hear my prayer. The Lord say, I'm not going to hear your prayer. It's too much sin in your mind, in your body, in your lifestyle. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Beloved, stop making requests to God until you allow him to spiritually clean up your life. Again, stop making requests to God until you allow him to spiritually clean up your life. Only when your body is holy can it be a living sacrifice which make your prayers and life acceptable before the Lord. Number four, praying the scriptures pleases God. Praying the scriptures pleases God. For example, the early church prayed the scriptures. The church prayed when Peter and John were released from prison according to God's word. In Psalms 2, 1 and 2, it says, and some just documented, I know you can't get to all of these passages, but in Psalms 2, 1 and 2, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Acts 4, 23 through 27 also says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, 
who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit. Now, look, they were praying. They were praying the scriptures. The early church was praying this scripture back in the Psalms. And here it is. Why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. As we can see, the early church prayed the scriptures according to Psalms 2, 1 and 2. They prayed the scriptures. Like the apostles and the early church, we too can pray the scriptures because the power is in the word of God, which empowers our prayer life. Now, allow me now to pray a prayer. I'm going to do an illustration. Allow me now to pray a prayer according to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I'm going to pray a prayer which includes that uh, passage, which says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And now I pray the scripture, Lord God Almighty, I thank you that we are your people. You saved us. And you called us to make your name known in a nation that has drifted from you. Father, we desperately need you to heal America where there is so much crime, mass shootings, corruption, sexual immorality, drugs, hate, injustice, and wickedness. But Lord, we also know that if you're going to heal America, We as your people, like Solomon told Israel, must humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from your wicked ways. Only then will you hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. So, Lord, we cry out to you now in humble contrition, petitioning you to cleanse us of our sins. And we repent this very moment of our wicked ways so that you can use us in these evil days to reach lost sinners for you and cry out against the sins of our nation. Lord, we ask you to make us worthy vessels of honor to represent you in a land that desperately needs healing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You, you see how the Lord gave me that, tied in that scripture, and I prayed the scripture and we, we practice that. That just empowers your prayers the more. Let's look at now. Let's move on down. Transitional down to verse 15. Confidently believing God to answer prayer. Confidently believing God to answer prayer. Verse 15. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. The way that we as believers can be confident that God hears and answers our prayers is when it is our heart's desire to ask him for those things that pleases and honors Christ, which brings joy to the father's heart. 
To pray according to his will is to pray for those things that brings lasting eternal value. Did you get that? To pray according to the will of God is to pray for those things that bring lasting eternal value and will advance the kingdom of God on earth. Praying confidently to Christ is to have the freedom to tell him everything that is on our heart without reservations, which result in our being relieved and released from burdens. When we tell him everything on our heart, you just talk to God. Prayer is talking to God. It's telling him what's on our heart. You don't have to worry about him betraying you, spilling your secrets. He will heal your heart and he'll prepare you in the midst of evil days. When you pray and, re- and really talk earnestly to God, he will relieve your burden, your guilt, and he will remove condemnation. Who else can we talk to this way? Now, most ancient rulers were unapproachable by anyone but their highest advisors. Most ancient rulers were unapproachable by anyone but their highest advisors. Esther chapter 4 verse 11. Here's an example. All the king's servant and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. However, in contrast, God, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, has blessed his beloved children with a divine privilege to have direct access to God. And we can come boldly to the throne anytime, anywhere. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. John is saying in verse 15 that as his children, we can come before our heavenly father freely and share with him our innermost heart's desire and needs with certainty and assurance that he hears and answers our prayers. Be mindful, we must accept the will of God when he chooses in his own sovereignty not to answer our prayers in a way that we expect. And we must be willing to accept his will joyfully because our heavenly father knows best. Furthermore, God is not obligated to answer the prayers of unbelievers. He is not obligated to answer the prayers of unbelievers. Verses 16 through 17, confidently praying for sinning believers. Confidently praying for sinning believers. We must pray for believers who sin. Look at verses 16 through 17. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there's a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. Listen closely. In these verses, John uses two unique expressions, okay? In the first part of this verse, he uses the expression in a way that does not lead to sin. See that? Okay? This is expository preaching. In a way that does not lead to sin. This refers to sin that do not bring punishment by death. This refers to sin that does not bring punishment by death. 
Now, the second expression is, but there is a sin that leads to what? Death. This refers to premeditated and unconfessed sins that are so severe and damaging to the church until the Lord ends the believer's life. There are times when a Christian may sin so seriously that God judges that sin with swift physical death if we fail to repent and forsake our sins. This is why it is crucial, absolutely crucial, that we live in close communion with Christ because the further we get away from him, the greater the propensity to have a hardness of heart that would result in this type of judgment that we really don't want. Allow me now to give you some examples of believers whose sin led to death. Let me give you a few examples of believers whose sin led to death. For example, in Acts uh, 5, 1 through 11, we have the account of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, 1 through 11. Uh, it's kind of lengthy, but I'm going to read it kind of fast for the sake of time. It says, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet, as if he's given all, you know. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon those who heard these things. Verse 6, and the young men, the burial committee, arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7, now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last and the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. That scared the daylights at the early church. Beloved, it's a, da it's a dangerous thing indeed to lie to God for any reason. It is, I say it again, it's a dangerous thing indeed to lie to God for any reason. It's a dangerous thing to give to God as if you're giving your best when you're holding back. Be honest. Whatever you do for God, whether it's singing, whether it's a choir rehearsal, whether it's video ministry, nursery ministry, children's ministry, teaching ministry, be honest, be genuine and transparent before the Lord. This is a serious business, as you can see in, this, in the context of this passage. Serving God is serious. You mishandle it, and you potentially put yourself up for death.
Another example of sinning unto death is a man in the Corinthian church who was living in sin with his father's wife, which resulted in Paul's rebuke of the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2 and verse 5, it says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something so evil that even the pagans don't do it. The world don't even do it. You're doing what the world doesn't even do. I am told that you have a man in your church who is living in sin with his father's wife. And you are so proud of yourselves. Why aren't you mourning in sorrow and shame? And why haven't you removed this man from your fellowship? Then you must cast this man out of the church into Satan's hand so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved when the Lord return. In other words, allowing his flesh to be destroyed, even though soul saved. Beloved, where is church discipline in the church today? Many churches don't talk about it. You say, do we have, we have a church reconciliation council? We've had it for a number of years. There was a time when the church first started quite small. I, I had to do most of it, but I heard them transitioned out of that area because I, I didn't want folk, after I disciplined somebody, then they're so mad at me that they can't hear me preach. So I train people how to minister to sinning believers. And believe me, people come here with all kinds of issues. And we've had some doozies. Very few we have to bring before the church because it's happening back there in the back because that reconciliation council represents the church so that we're not perpetually airing out dirty laundry, live stream, you know, live stream, just showcasing it. We're to deal with sin. Beloved, where is church discipline in the church today? God does not play with sin. He requires that we lovingly confront and deal with sinning believers in the church If not, sin becomes infectious and spread throughout the entirety of the body of Christ, weakening the spiritual immune system of the church. Our final example of sinning unto death are those in the Corinthian church who sinned while partaking of the Lord's Supper. First Corinthians chapter 11 verses 27 through 30 says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Verse 29, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment against yourself. And this is why many of you are weak and sick and some of you have died. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210 210- 
If you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, please visit our website at maranathasa.org. Select the Give option and choose the radio broadcast support fund. Thank you very much for your generosity. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.